Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things which connect us, whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea. We talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. The Tour de France was developed as a marketing gimmick to sell a newspaper called Lotto. It was called Lotto Velo originally, but the owner of Velo magazine told them to drop the Velo bit. The cycling newspapers in Paris were developed through a desire to set up cycling races and to promote cycling in general, but it became a rather negative conflict because of the competition that went on between the two newspapers. It led to them promoting lots of races, and this was great for public choice, of course, but it did mean that the passionate owner of Lotto, Henri de Grange, was under quite a bit of pressure to make sure that his magazine was sold. So he announced, rather mysteriously and audaciously, a major road race. Many long races already existed, such as Paris-Brest-Paris, which is a 1,200-kilometre race that's still run today, and a mate of mine did that last year. Eventually, Lotto won the newspaper's circulation, and so the race was established in 1903. Interesting, the leader's jersey in the tour is still bright yellow, and this is a nod to the colour of the paper that Lotto was printed on. The bikes were heavy, and the roads were not great, with shale covering many road surfaces, particularly in the mountainous regions of France. By 1903, only 15 people had entered the Tour de France. The race was designed to try and reflect the grandeur of the Eiffel Tower. So Henri de Grange, the organiser, increased the prize money and also the riders' cover for their expenses. And he heavily marketed it until eventually he had 60 entrants. The Tour has become one of the biggest annual sporting events and takes in three weeks of cycling. The longest tour covered a staggering 3,570 miles, but these days it tends to be around two to two and a half thousand miles. On rest days, they always go out riding. It just helps the legs to keep going. It flushes out lactic acid and aids active recovery. The winner of the first Tour de France was a guy called Garin, who entered the second race in 1904 as well, but was disqualified, along with some others, for taking a train into the Alps to save his legs for later in the race. Now I think this set the scene for all sorts of capers that went on since, that have shadowed the event over the years of course. Wine and beer drinking during the race was commonplace. Alcohol was regularly used during the tour because it was thought to fight the pain and this would help. In fact cigarettes were often shared because it was actually thought that it would open the lungs before a big climb. One of my favourite characters from the history of the race was a guy called Jacques Anquetil, who would drink wine and eat 12 oysters and lobster thermidor before racing. Ank, as he was also known, looked sickly, frail and thin. He was shy. He wasn't interested in bike technology, but seemed unbeatable once he got on a bike. He was the first cyclist to win the Tour five times. No one has beaten this record. They've only equalled it. He was a big gear rider, with toes pointing downwards. And he seemed to stretch his long arms forwards 
so his whole body was leaning forwards when seated. It was so unlike what people thought was orthodox cycling. His position, though, was streamlined, and as a result, he was really good at time trialling. During the tour, he would keep doing just enough to stay with the leaders and then crush them in the time trials. One year, he lost a race that he should have won. People say he threw the race, but I don't believe this. He was being tactical with the person he was riding with, and he was trying to avoid giving them the race. If you go a little bit too hard and try to move in front of a cyclist, there is the danger that they would just draft on you, wait until near the finish line, and then overtake and take the race. I think Agatha was just trying to avoid this happening. But unfortunately, this meant that the eagle of Toledo, Federico Bahamontes, stole the race from both of them. Fans of Agatil booed him. And he felt so bad about it and so annoyed with his fans that he bought a boat and called it the Whistles of 59. Because this was the year, 1959, that this event happened. By 1963, the tour organisers were so concerned about Ancatil's dominance on the bike in the time trials that they shortened the time trial distances. But he just changed his style. And in the end, when chasing the Eagle of Toledo in 1963, he gradually reeled him in. And he did this on a TT bike, not designed for the twisting gravel rock-strewn roads of the mountains. He still won. The author, Fornell, wrote of Ancatil. He enjoyed the blessing of the winds, his pointed nose and face, like a fine blade, sliced the road open for him, and his whole body flowed behind it, cutting through the mistrals, piercing the winter breezes and the summer storms. Now, of course, he was no angel, and took a cocktail of stimulants with morphine, which were often taken as a matter of course, were more accepted at the time. He openly admitted to doping, saying, you'd have to be an imbecile or a hypocrite to think a rider who races 235 days a year can do it without stimulants. He also took bribes to throw races, but would then go on to win them anyway. Echoes of Shoeless Joe Jackson. The death of Tom Simpson on Vontu changed all this, and the tragic event started a process of trying to clean up the sport, which, as we know, is not a straightforward process. I am so pleased that this year COVID has not stopped the race from going ahead, and it sees the welcome discussion of the women's tour at last. Why this has taken so long to be taken seriously, I cannot fathom. Bring on the women's race, the sooner the better, with equal pay and prize money. When the race was started, it was meant to be as iconic as the Eiffel Tower. This kind of thing would reinforce just such an iconic status.